Aaron, I'm one of the pastors. We've been in a series. Okay, real quick. I love babies, and it is so awesome to see how many babies that are coming. And also, I was just going to highlight, we had the youth in here and multiple generations worshiping. It's so cool to have family. You go ahead and sit. Um, it's so cool to have so much family here. I just want to say, if you have babies in here and they cry, don't worry about it. We can figure it out as family. It's great to worship together as family, and I'm just stoked about that. So, anyways, that's my little pastoral baby fever thing going on. So, anyways... A side note, thank you. Uh, we are in a series called Transformational Practices. We're coming to an end of the series. And the series has been about looking at practices or spiritual disciplines that Jesus himself did 2,000 years ago. And we are l- looking at ways that we can integrate the stuff that Jesus did into our own lives for the goal of becoming more like Jesus. That's what this whole series has been about. So we've talked about prayer as conversation, as intercession, as partnership, um, fasting, solitude and silence, reading scripture. And today we're going to talk about Sabbath. Um, if you do have a smartphone, you can download a free Bible app called Uversion. Look for a live event and we have all the notes there for you for this actual sermon. So uh, you can read along as I make brilliant points um, or not... Or not so brilliant points. Either way, uh, they'll be on there and you can have it all downloaded for you. Um, so here's what I want to do. We're talking about Sabbath. And I'm going to do three things. I'm going to tell you the story of Sabbath. Where does Sabbath come from? I'm going to talk about the implications for us today if we practice this discipline. And then at the very end, I just want to give us some very tangible handle practices. How do we begin to implement a day of rest if we, we buy into this being a good thing? So my, my hope is, one, you're convinced that this is a good thing, and the second thing is that you want to do this on a regular basis. Are you with me? Okay, go to Exodus, the book of Exodus in a Bible. If you need a Bible, there's some green Bibles around the room, or um, raise your hand, maybe a neighbor will throw you their Bible. We're going to Exodus chapter 19. So the story of Sabbath, it begins in Exodus. And Exodus begins thousands of years ago when a group of people called the Israelites were enslaved to a nation called Egypt. Egypt was an oppressive empire. And the Israelites lived for hundreds of years enslaved to this nation. Literally, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, the Israelites were enslaved to an oppressive empire that made them build statues and temples and basically produce bricks. Day after day, week after week, making bricks. And so the story of Exodus begins here. It begins in Egypt, where this people group began to cry out to their ancient God that spoke to an ancient relative named Abraham. And they cry out because of the oppression that they were receiving in Egypt, saying that there's a God of promise. And Exodus begins with the nation of Israel enslaved, crying out to a distant God who is nowhere to be found how the story begins and then God hears their cry he says he hears their cries and he knows they're oppressed and he sends a messenger named Moses and Moses confronts this empire this oppressive regime that has enslaved the people of God he says let my people go and there's a confrontation a battle there's 10 different plagues there's this 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 reality of going on of whose God is really the God that's what's going on with the plagues and there's plagues happen eventually the firstborn are killed and finally Pharaoh lets them go they're released and this nation of slaves are released as free people this is a story of Exodus 
And we pick up in Exodus 19 when they've been freed from, from this empire and they're stumbling along in the wilderness and God, God comes to them. And God says to this nation of slaves that you're going to be my treasured possession. So go to Exodus 19. We're going to read this together. Um, it says in verse 5, Now if you obey me, this is God talking to the Israelites, If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So God takes this nation of slaves, numbering from two to four million people, and says out of all the nations in the world, you guys are called to represent me on earth. That was the commission. Taking these poor slaves to become the representation of God on earth. They were to be the representatives. Priests are representatives. They're a set-apart nation over all other nations. That was their task. From slaves to representatives. Now, you could imagine, just for a moment, what that would look like for hundreds of years, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, being oppressed by a harsh empire. Slavery is an inhumane condition. It robs you of your dignity. Being treated like property, being treated like a possession that you can exploit, robs you of your dignity, and it steals something from you. If you're a slave, would you agree with me that being a slave would immediately have dramatic implications for how you see yourself? for how you see other people that you're connected to, and how you see the world and the way the world really works. Would you agree that your view, your, your paradigm, your worldview, would be dramatically shaped by being owned? But here, here's what God does. He grabs a group of slaves, and He says, I'm going to teach you how to be human again. Because slavery robs you of your humanity. And God says, I'm going to teach you how to, be representa- how to be my representation on earth. I'm going to invite you into being a, 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 an authentic human community. And you have to relearn how to live because the way you are conditioned day after day of making bricks has to be broken. Yes, I'll pull you out of Egypt, but I'm going to try to drag Egypt out of you. That's what the Ten Commandments are all about. So God at this mountaintop says, uh, meets, meets his people and says, you've got to prepare yourself. You're going to be my treasured possession if you keep my commandments, if you obey me fully. And then God gives them the Ten commands, Commandments because you see, when you live as a slave, you, become, you value your life based on what you can produce. Bricks become your identity. What you can get done and accomplish becomes your identity or value within culture. And God's saying, you're going to be now my, representat- my representatives. So God gives them the Ten Commandments, teaches them how to live as humans again. And the list begins in Exodus 20. We're going to look at verse 8 in just a second. But it begins with the first commandment, uh, don't worship any other gods. Uh, I'm, I'm the only God there is. So don't worship creation, because I created creation, stars and moons and animals. I've created that stuff. So only have one God, and I'm the one true living God. To live as fully human, we worship the one true living God. Are you with me? That's, the first, that's a good commandment. Yeah, okay. Second commandment is don't worship stuff. Don't worship images of things. 
false images, false idols. Don't worship the things that you can create because I created those things. Worship me. That's okay, God. I got that. So, so far, the first two commandments have to do with your relationship to God. The third one is to not take the Lord's name in vain or not misuse his name. And the Jewish understanding is to carry God's name well. That's what it means to not take the Lord's name in vain. You represent him on earth, so carry his name well. So the, the first three commandments have to do with your relationship to God. Then there's the fourth commandment, which we're going to look at. And then the rest ha- have to do with all of your interactions with, with people. So if you're going to live as fully human, you're going to live in a human community, it's, pretty, it's good that you don't kill each other. So don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet. And all those, all those other, honor your father and mother, all of those commandments have to do with your relationship to other people. But then there's this weird commandment. And it comes right after your understanding of how God works in this world. And the next commandment is in verse uh, 8 of chapter 20 of Exodus. And it's this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your, your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in it. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the commandment, the first commandment outside of your relationship to God, as the people of God, is to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. to remember that, that God in creation rested on the sixth day, or on the seventh day, excuse me. Did God need to rest because he was tired from all his work? That's a no. Everyone said no. Okay, good. Let's try that again. Did God need to rest after six days of working? Okay, something else was going on. The idea is that he enjoyed creation, that something was complete when he created all of creation. Humanity, at the end, he said it's very good, or it works the way it should work, and then he takes a breath, takes a day, sanctifies it, separates it, and rests to enjoy creation. And the commandment is to stop working. The Hebrew word is Shabbat. It means to cease, or to rest, or a day of rest. And the first commandment outside of our relationship to God is to work six days a week and rest on the seventh day. Because somehow in Sabbath, according to Exodus, there's something linked to the creation story when we do that. Let's go to Deuteronomy. I'm going to come back to that point in just a second. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 12. Deuteronomy was written later than Exodus and it's a, almost a reflection on what happened with God's people. And so we are given the Ten Commandments for the second time, but this time it's a different variation of the Ten Commandments. If you look at it, it has um, a different type of commentary, if you will, and reasoning. So Exodus 20, the first time they're receiving the commandment, says, hey, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, because God rested in the creation story. And somehow, when you Sabbath, you're connected to the, connected to the creation story. Now let's look at the reasoning uh, and the argument in Deuteronomy. It says this in verse 12 of chapter 5, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all, the, all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. 
on it you shall do no work. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. So the first Exodus story is the reason where we rest it's because God rested and made that day holy. And it, it pulls you back to the creation narrative, which is what? What happened when God created humanity? He made humanity in His image. So you rest because Sabbath has everything to do with your identity as the image of God. First, the first part. Sabbath is not just a discipline to observe. It has everything to do with who you are as a person. Remember, we're dealing with slaves. Day after day of being forced to make bricks. And all of a sudden, God comes and says, you're going to work six days and rest. Because when you rest, you're reminded that you are made in my image. And then Deuteronomy adds, not only are you made in the image, but you rest because you were once slaves. Now you've been redeemed for a purpose. And that purpose is to represent me on earth. So there's two core fundamental identities that, that take place when someone practices a day of Sabbath. The first is that you recognize that you are made in the image of God and that you are not a product of what you can do, accomplish, or produce. And the second that you've been bought with a price, redeemed, and put on display for all the world. And it reminds you of your mission and purpose of why you're here in the first place. So you go worshiping God. Don't worship any false idols. Don't uh, carry the Lord's name well. And in order to do that, in order to go to the next phase, which is how to interact with each other, you have to rest every single week because you're going to forget time and time again that you are created in the image of God and that you have been redeemed. And you are now free to represent me on earth. Sabbath is about identity. Sabbath is about your identity. And God has to institute this day of rest. Because the people of God are always forgetful. Would you agree that we are forgetful people? It seems like most of the Old Testament is remember when. Right? That's why I journal. Because I often forget that God answers prayers. I often forget that God actually does stuff. I mean, if you hear all the stories we've heard over the last three years, you, there's no reason you should doubt. I doubt all the time. I have to go back to my journal and remind myself because we're forgetting people. In fact, just a side note, this is instituted as the primary way Israel will, will be set apart from all the nations. That there's, there's an identity as a people group that rests Pagan uh, rulers, the Romans will observe this when during Jesus' time and literally historians will say that they're lazy people because they don't work one day a week out of seven. And let's go back even further. Um, in Isaiah 58, how many of you... Are, okay, Isaiah is a book in the Old Testament. A prophet is calling out how Israel has lost its way. They aren't representing God on earth. And so the prophet's calling them out. Do you, you know this? Our church verse comes from Isaiah 58. And, and uh, Isaiah criticizes their worship. And their fasting is done to, so that everyone can see and they're petitioning to God and it's lip service. And Isaiah says, no, actually fasting is, is about um, caring for the orphan and the widow. 
fasting is about, worship is about the action behind your words. And, and, and then there's this promise that one day God will do all these amazing things if you fast, if you take care of the people that are broken and the marginalized. And, dot, 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 if you don't trample on the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Do you ever recall that at the end of Isaiah 58? That it says, keep the Sabbath day holy because you're doing what you want to do on that day because that's fundamentally about their identity. Not about what they can accomplish. Not about what they can do. Not about how big their businesses can grow. Not about how many relationships they have. How many friends. How many posts on Facebook. How many likes they got on their Instagram. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with who they are in God. So the story of Sabbath, or Sabbath was designed to remind the Israelites that they are the image of God and set apart to be representatives of God on earth. It was a reminder that they're no longer living in Egypt. And it was a way of God pulling out Egypt out of Israel. Um, Sabbath was institutionalized to remind the people of God that they were in fact people. Sabbath was institutionalized as an invitation to become a new kind of person. And it's a reminder that we are not accidents. So, that's the story of Sabbath. I want you to put yourself there for a moment. Can you relate? Can you relate to um, a lifestyle? And, and you know what? Maybe you've never been enslaved to an oppressive empire. But on our best days... None of us know who we really are, do we? We allow our identities to be defined by what we do well. By how big our bank account is. By our job titles. By the emails in our inbox. By the friends we have over for dinner. We allow ourselves to be defined by who we know, what clothes we wear, how skinny or strong we are. And we allow our identities to be shaped by all of those other things. And when our, when our true identity is not secure, we allow, our, we allow ourselves to be enslaved to all of those things. And so here we are, stuck in an ancient problem that seems very relevant today, living our life day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, allowing ourselves to be defined by all those other things. Maybe I'm the only one struggling with that here today. So I'll speak for myself. Maybe you need some illustrations. So I, I have some friends, and these are fictional characters that have learned to live life one brick at a time. And uh, one fictional character is the business owner. And there's been a deep sense of insecurity in his life. And so for him, he has learned to establish his identity on his output and his income. Do you know what I'm talking about? The kind of person that... Uh, it's meeting after meeting, business trip after business trip, uh, next appointment after next appointment. It's a calendar that has been intentionally um, and strategically organized around his career to where the outcome is a, second, a wife that gets seconds, kids that get leftovers, hobbies that take over, uh, houses become more and more important and all of a sudden you're, you're running the rat race and you're enslaved to this wound inside of you that says you are what you can earn. Do you know that type of person? Fictional, of course. Maybe you don't know him. The business owner that sees um, their life and the value of life based on what they can accomplish, based on how good someone else says they are. 
Maybe that's you, maybe not. Or maybe, maybe you need this illustration. The same thing. I mean, it just works out in the same way. How about the stay-at-home mom? Someone's been given the gift to not have to work and to raise up their kids in, in a very uh, amazing environment. And that identity becomes the sole identity. You aren't a beloved child of God. You are mom. And that child becomes God. And it's their needs. It's their dishes. It's their school. It's their PTA, it's their PTA meeting. It's their, their dropping them to and from, tutoring, uh, uh, sports education. Uh, you can, the list goes on and on to playmates and friends. And, and it's just this chaotic, busy cycle, excuse me, where, where your life is about getting through to the next thing rather than learning to partner with God in the life He's given you as a gift not defined by what you do. And so you've whittled your life down to a to-do list rather than a life soaked with the presence of the divine. Again, these are all fictional characters. I don't know anyone like this. The last one, um, and maybe you know, you're like, oh, I don't worry about that stuff. How about this one? What about the student? The student that has prioritized their calendar with a bunch of maybes on Facebook just in case they have the better option at the end. They don't want to commit to anything because after all, their identity is built on who they're hanging out with, who's, who they're connected to, what social event they went to, whether it's a study group, whether it's a, a, a nighttime hangout session with your friends, whether it's a concert. It doesn't matter. Either way, there's 140 characters being tweeted about it in an Instagram photo to prove that they're with those types of people. And maybe I'm being a little too prophetic and maybe you're like, talk about my heart, not about social media. But either way, that is an issue that needs to be diagnosed for our culture. How many of us feel better when we had 16 likes or 40 likes or 80 likes instead of whatever we got? Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are thinking, wow, you know me so well. It takes one to know one. I'm a pastor. Oh my gosh, think about this. How easy is it to think that what I do is always uh, spiritual or that my work is better than someone else's? That, um, think about early on when I was planting a church. There was never a rest. There was never a day off because everyone is, is ministry. Everyone, I, I have to be this guy's savior and this guy's savior. And all of a sudden my identity is built that I'm, I'm part of the Godhead when I'm not. And my humbling experience is that I'm nobody's savior. Praise God. We have that, and I don't want to take his chair. And I had to learn that my identity didn't come off of the, hey, great job on Sunday. Hey, good message. It has nothing to do with making you happy and everything to do about being obedient and be walking in my full identity. Are you with me? Yeah, that's, that's, that's me struggling, so that, that's not a fictional character. Um, <laughs> so Sabbath becomes a rhythm. So the story, Sabbath becomes, here's some observations, a rhythm of life that gives us our true meaning. Our meaning is not that we are what we have accomplished or who on earth we are connected to, but it is a reminder that we are created in the image of God and designed to represent Him on earth. Sabbath is the only ritual of the Ten Commandments. And it helps us remind ourselves that we aren't what we produce. We aren't primarily brickmakers, businessmen, house moms, students, we are primarily sons and daughters of the Most High God. That is fundamental to the people of God, that they have that 
understood. And so, we are designed to work six days a week with the area of work that God's blessed us with, our domain, our little kingdoms. God's given us gifts, talents, and we are supposed to work as hard as we can knowing that God's invited us into that work. And on the seventh day, we rest and cease working to remind ourselves of that identity. So, Sabbath is first about identity. Um, here's, here's a couple of things of why, why it's a discipline of identity. Here's what happens. I've tried really hard to do Sabbath on a regular basis, and it is so much work. Rest is hard work. Those of us that are drivers, type A, rest is such hard work. Here's what happens for me. Uh, well, first of all, make sure you communicate to your spouse that you're taking a day off. Um, because that will be bad news for her. Um, no, but in all seriousness, rest is hard work. So around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, I've, I've tried to sleep. I've tried to not do any work. I've tried to not get on emails. Sometimes I fast from social media. I'm trying not to refresh the Facebook or the Instagram. And uh, so there I am at 2 o'clock, and maybe I'm watching a movie, or maybe I didn't do any media that day. And so either way, it's terrible. And um, I'm resting in our, our house, and um, I'm irritable. I'm depressed, I'm down, I'm moping, I don't want to do anything, I'm, I'm disappointed, I'm angry, I'm quick with my spouse, with Alex. Why? Because I have trained myself over time, day after day, to place value on days based on what I get out of them. Based on how many checks off the to-do list I can accomplish. How many people I hung out with. What types of people I hung out with. I will put value on a day, whether it was good or not, based on those things. And when I'm forced to not do any of those things, when I'm forced to stop doing and recognize who I am, I feel naked. So I'm depressed. I don't like who that is. I've covered it up with meetings. I've covered it up with things I can't accomplish. I've covered it up with a false identity that gives me value because what I think is worth something isn't really worth something at all. Again, I'm speaking for myself. So, it's hard work. It messes with your identity. It forces you to come into terms with what God says about you. Um, second, uh, Sabbath is a discipline of recalibrating. Sabbath helps us, taking a day off, helps us to uh, align our sight properly. If you're shooting a gun, and maybe you have a scope, or it's just a regular sight, and it's off, it doesn't, ma it doesn't matter how great of a shot you are, the shot will be off if your sign sight is not aligned. Sabbath is, does the same thing. It aligns your, your priorities with God. It allows you to seek first the kingdom, and it allows you to work out of there. You work out of Sabbath, not towards it. Does that make sense? You work out of a, a place of restedness, a restfulness. And so when you Sabbath every week, it's a place to reprioritize, to, re to slow down. It helps you do a few th one thing well, rather than multitask and do nothing great at all. Does that make sense? So it recalibrates. Sabbath is a way of worship. Um, God has given us the gift of time. And he's given us the gift of work. And when we take a day off and say, God, this time is for you. Be blessed by it. We keep it holy. We are honoring God with our time, recognizing that all, everything is a gift. The days that we get to work and the days that we get to rest. So it's a way of honoring God in worship. That's what Sabbath does. Um, Sabbath is a way of defining ourselves in relationship to God and to ourselves um, as persons 
rather than machines. So Sabbath is a way of defining our sh- ourselves in our relationship to God as a person rather than a machine. Sabbath, I like this one. Um, Sabbath is a weekly assault against the forces that would make us merely a product of mindless natural selection. Boom! That's a good one. Sabbath is a weekly assault against the forces that would make us merely the product of mindless natural selection. Yes! Ah! It's an attack against the false religions that say, you weren't made with purpose. You don't have an identity. We say, yes, we were made by the Creator and our image is in Him. Oh, every time we do that, we're just, you know, I don't even want to go there. We're slapping that in the face. I was going to say something else, so I'm stopping. Bringing it in. Sabbath is an announcement proclaiming that we are free to the powers that long to enslave enslave us, even if that power is ourself. Sabbath is an announcement proclaiming that we are free to the powers that long to enslave us, even if that is ourself. So Sabbath becomes an invitation to learn how to rest and become who you really are in God. Does it sound important to you? Does it sound interesting that the first thing that God institutes in His commandments is a day of rest? Can we just take a breath of fresh air? How great is our God? He knows us well enough to know that we're going to work our butts off anyways. (laughs) Most of us. He wants to remind us of who we are when we're doing that work. Um, one author says this, and for, as I talk about the importance of beginning to shape your lives with rhythms of health, I think a day off like this is really important. Otherwise, you will burn out of anything you do, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or uh, own a business or you're a student or you uh, work at a factory. It does not matter. You need to learn this type of rhythm of rest. One author says, if we do not allow for a rhythm of rest, in our over-busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath. Our pneumonias, our cancer, our heart attacks, our accidents create Sabbath for us. In other words, if we don't learn how to slow down and take regular rhythms of break, we will get sick and our sickness will force us to rest. Rather than allowing our bodies to rest naturally, we become uh, sidelined by sickness and illness. And I can totally relate to this. I'm the type of guy that goes for like three months and then sleeps for like 20-something hours and then gets back up, goes again, and I have that flu. That's not really a flu. It's not a cold. They can't diagnose it. It's just literally exhaustion. That's, That's been my story, but I've been trying to break it with a day of rest and actually a quarterly or um, bi-yearly retreat where I just get away and rest and unplug and all that stuff. So you've got to learn how to do this. Are you with me? Sounds good, huh? How great is it to say, okay, church told me to take a day off. Ah, oh, yes. In the name of Jesus, thank you. <laughs> okay, so here's some practical stuff. Um, this is for those taking notes. I think this is so important. Uh, like I said, this is a discipline. So you're learning how to do a layup with your left hand. You're learning how to bat left-handed if you're right-handed. This isn't going to come easy or natural. It's going to become, it's going to happen because you tried, Right? It's going to happen because you woke up early, you did some push-ups. That's how you're going to get in shape, not because you watched something on TV. The only way you can do this is if you try to do it. So here are some helpful hints, tips on how to do this um, on a regular basis. First, you have to eliminate anything that gets in the way of Sabbath. So Sabbath is a day of rest. So you eliminate anything that gets in the way. So you don't work. Can't work. 
You can't do chores around the house. You have six days to do all that. You can't do work. You can't do chores. Um, you, I, I, would, I would invite you to try not to buy anything. Try not to drive long distances unless it's going to rest somewhere. But try not to buy anything. Try to eliminate whatever it is that's unique to you that gets in the way. I encourage you to say no to things around the house. For me, there are, it's laundry. It's, um, it's, uh, it's doing the dishes. It's so funny. I, tried the, I did a Sabbath yesterday and I forgot to tell Alex. And man, I knew better and I just forgot. I didn't put it on my to-do to list. So I knew I was going to wake up and not do any of the dishes that were in the sink that were from the previous night where my family came over, 12 of us eating at our house. I knew I wasn't going to do it that day and I was just going to sit there. But there, sure enough, some tension. It's not her fault. She, you know, she has some healthy expectations and I didn't communicate my my thing of rest. So you you got to You got to You got to do um, say no to those things because you know it works. Uh, you have to eliminate worry. Um, you have to eliminate budgeting. You have to eliminate the to do list for all of you like that like to make lists. You don't do that on Sabbath. You don't budget on Sabbath. You don't work. And some authors say don't even diet on Sabbath. Sabbath should be surrounded with rich and good food and good company. Celebrate that. I want to suggest as well that you should, uh, for our generation that struggles with this, you should eliminate all social media. I think our, our society is fractured by social media. We're more interested in capturing the photo of where we are than actually experience it. Now, it's not all bad. It's a good thing. We can use technology. It's a great thing. Some of us are photographers, and that's awesome. But how about experiencing the day and not sharing it with the world or what you think is the world, your 200 followers? Um, <laughs> Again, I'm just speaking for myself. Uh, uh. And then I will also maybe eliminate any distractions like media as a whole. Um, and that's, that's, that's an interesting one. So, you know, don't watch TV. Don't do, uh, don't do movies if, if they are uh, distracting. But here's something. For some of you, that actually is very restful. I know for me, there's been a, a Sabbath where I watched like a whole season of Lost. And that was awesome. And so that's okay sometimes. Just don't do it every time. So the first is to eliminate. The second is to prepare. You have to prepare for Sabbath. And what do I mean by prepare? I mean think about the entire day. Now, I say day, you think uh, it starts with the morning. The Jewish concept of day begins in the evening. When the sun goes down, sundown to sundown. Why do I love that? Well, the day starts off with you going to bed. And the world doing everything it does without you at all. And I think God's kind of like, you wake up to him going, I'm already doing stuff. Come on, join me. That's the Jewish day. Because if you read Genesis, it says it was, it was evening and morning. It was the first day. It was the second day. So maybe that's helpful. Maybe start off your Sabbath by going to sleep. Um, so how do you prepare to go to sleep where you're resting well? Do you watch a uh, LCD screen? Or do you read? Do you pray with your spouse? Or do you, you create some space to go to sleep? So think about the day. Um, are you going to have a great big meal? Great. Do as much preparation for that meal the day before. And get the cleaning done. Uh, do you have chores, laundry? Fold it. Get it out of sight, out of mind. Literally do everything you can to prepare for that day to be as restful as possible. Communicate with your spouse. That is so important because I guarantee you their expectation of rest, if you're doing it together, is different than yours. I want to go surf. I want to enjoy hobbies. She might just want to hang out and lounge around in the morning till God knows when. And... <laughs> Literally, in our schedule are days where I can't schedule anything in the morning. I like to wake up and read and get, get going on the day and, and take the day by the horns and or whatever that is. And 
Um, and, and Alex just wants to kind of just open up into the day and enjoy each other and talk and read the Bible in, in bed and not in our, at my desk. And it's, so you have to learn how to, how to serve each other like Christ would serve the church husbands, um, which isn't complaining. Um, so prepare, organize the tasks, invite the entire family into it. It's not, a, it's not you, it's not you or your spouse, it's the kids, it's how do we do this together as a family. So that's, uh, that's eliminate, prepare. Lastly, uh, fill the day with relaxation. So as you prepare, plan to sleep in. Plan to take your time at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Plan to uh, g- run, if you like running, to take a long walk, to take a bath. Married couples, wake up and make love. That is what the Jewish community did. And that was commissioned. So that is a blessing from your pastor. You could say, Darren said so. Don't do that. I'll be in trouble. Married couples, again. Um, let's see. Do hobbies. Go surf. Go paddleboard. Hang out at the beach. Go, on, go to the park. Fill the day in a way that just brings life and joy and peace. Pray. Play. Uh, enjoy life-giving community. Um, that's a big one. There are some relationships that exhaust you. Don't hang out with those people. Permission. Okay? Hang out with people that give life. That's what the Sabbath day is all about. Um, worship as a family. Practice silence and solitude. Do whatever it is you do. Watch loss. Catch up on newsroom. It doesn't matter. The gift is not about the law. It's about learning to rest. Now here's the problem. As a discipline, we can do what the Israelites did. And rather than focusing on a day of rest... We focus on what it means to not work. Do you know the difference? So all of a sudden we make categories for what is work, which is what the Jewish community did over time, and it became legalized. Rather than recognizing that there's really no way to mess us up, we just offer God the day and we try to rest in our identity as created image bearers and called apart to be representatives of God on earth. Amen? Who's going to practice it? That doesn't mean you don't go to church, just so you know. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, good. I'm going to bring Pete up. Let's do this. Um, obviously, I feel like this is a, a maybe a prophetic uh, discipline for our culture. Would you agree? I mean, I can't tell you how many people I talk to that say they're busy, they're tired, they're overwhelmed, and they're stressed. It seems like that is the diagnosis for most of us, that we have given, um, we have celebrated busyness in our culture. And the invitation as followers of Jesus is not to be defined by culture, but to, to redefine culture. To do things that are subversive and countercultural, like, hey, we're going to rest and we're going to do it intentionally. We're not just going to shut off, we're actually going to prepare to rest well. So Sabbath is prophetic to our culture. And if we can begin to discipline ourselves, um, I think we'll see a healthier lifestyle, health in our marriage, health in our family. It's going to be a gift for all of you. So I encourage you to take this home. Can we do this? Pete's going to sing some songs, but I just want to invite you to stand um, where you are. And even now, think about it. Are you hurried off to your next appointment? Or can you just sit still for 13 minutes, stand still, in reverence that there is a divine creator that doesn't just ask us to do things for him, but he teaches us how to do it. He invites us as we are to be fully ourselves. And then on top of that, he wants to give us his Holy Spirit to help us along the way. The Spirit of the living God is not some thing we just talk about. It's a reality to be experienced. God is to be experienced. And that happens in corporate gathering. It happens all the time. But this is a place where we come to receive prayer, to give prayer, 
and to be in the presence of God. So I want to invite you to close your eyes and think about whatever's stirring on your mind right now. Pete's going to play a song and I want to invite you to hear this as God speaking to you. Maybe even God's voice singing this song over to you. We're going we're gonna to sing this song and I'm going to come back and invite some of you to come get prayer. Um, but let's begin by singing. I want to invite, Holy Spirit, would you come and do the work that you can do? None of us can. Lord, reveal to us the ways we have enslaved ourselves to the things that we do. And that we have handed over our, our identities, um, maybe not to an empire, but to an oppressor. We pray that your spirit would gently remind us of who we are t- today and invite us into what you call rest, your Sabbath. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would do the work together in your name. Let's worship.